911, what's the nature of your emergency? Welcome back to the Talk to a Living podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Walton. Today, I'm sitting with two very giggly gentlemen, my husband, Mr. Clint Walton, and my very good friend, Mr. Brian K. Bishop, who is visiting us in California all the way from Ohio. Guys, thank you so much for joining us in today's episode. We're so glad to be here today, and it's something that's just ecstatic to have Brian here with us. Thank you. It's been an honor to finally get out here and meet you guys in person and actually be a part of the podcast and a part of the Police Fire Military Families Group. Yeah, and we're excited for that. And I'm especially excited for this episode because we're actually going to be doing a little bit of a series with the two of you. I have some time. We're in our studio right now. We're recording, and I thought we could just put together some content with me asking some incredibly selfish questions. And the very first one that comes to mind for me, Brian, you are a retired police officer. Clint still has about 14 years to go, give or hopefully, take. Hopefully, And I wanted to ask you what advice you might have for somebody who is in a situation like Clint, where one day in the future they will retire because I have talked I have talked to so many people and that seems to be a very prime topic. I'm not sure if COVID exacerbated some of these feelings, but I have found that a lot of people who are no longer in law enforcement or fire or in the profession that they were once in and called their lifeline, they find themselves so lost and without direction. So what advice would you give to somebody who might be in it against a situation similar to Clint's or someone who is listening who might soon retire or as we all hope one day retire? For me in 2015, I found the need to retire. I started to get burnout. I didn't realize I had PTSD or PTSI as we call it in the group, post-traumatic stress injury. It is actually an injury. It's not a disorder. It's not something that you should be ashamed about or afraid to get help, seek help. I feel that if you're starting to get burnout and you're not efficient enough and you lost the edge, you've lost focus, time to probably get out or seek help. A lot of officers don't know where to turn to and to get help and so they suppress anger they turn to alcohol some maybe to drugs even god forbid abuse to their spouses or their kids that's not anything that i wanted to continue or even take part of i also feel by being retired i still have that insight to help out so i ride with a lot of younger police officers to give them my insight and experience from an old bull sort of atmosphere or sort of as i say the young bull and the old bull so by getting out there i don't have the stress and the pressure to still do the job but i can assist and help the younger officers with knowledge and my experiences to do their job in a more stressful environment everything is video recorded everything is liability nowadays it's not like the old days where i didn't have video i didn't have audio i didn't have the stress we had the groups that we could go out with or just get away from. But today it's a lot worse because it's so media focused. People do not like cops anymore. They're being inundated and trained and poisoned, in my opinion, to hate cops, to hate law enforcement, to hate laws, to hate the court system. So it's very tough for officers to even want to get in this line of work and still be a part of it. 
So that is super surprising to me because 2015 was, you know, before the whole George Floyd era and the stigma that you must have felt in that time, because it was much different now. We hear about it every single day. I hear somebody who is a police officer who's questioning their profession. But in 2015, that stigma must have been so, so different from back then. Yeah, it's really something that you and, and even in my starting out of the career, kind of jumping into it, I've seen the dynamic shift from being able to go out and chase bad guys and have fun and really try to have that old school mindset with being a police officer and I had that in the initial days of my career and you just can't do that anymore, which is, which is fine, but it's not the same. And you have these new guys coming in saying, Hey, I want to have that experience. I want to be this way. And you have to rein them in saying you can't do it like that anymore. And that comes down to the senior officers, to the old dogs, as I'm pointing to Brian, because he's an old dog in my book. It's we have to really share with them like it can't be done that way. We do that by stopping sharing the stories from our past of what we used to do or this is how we used to do it back in my day. It's appealing to them. So if we start changing that dialogue with it, then it starts helping us change our own perception within law enforcement. Yeah, and I'm super, super curious then, Brian, given what you now know and Clint just explaining the variance in the mentality for these younger police officers, looking back, what are some of the things that as an active police officer, whether it was on duty or off duty, you may have done differently to prepare you for no longer being in that job full time anymore? The first thing I believe in the academy, they teach us and they set us up to fail. So what I mean by that is they show us all the gory pictures, they show us all the negative stuff, but they don't teach us how to deal with it. They don't teach us that there is a group like yours and Clint's that is available and accessible to all officers, all firefighters, all military personnel to get help. It's okay to feel bad. It's okay to feel, hey, I go in this situation and this person's lost their entire face because of a suicide or because of a homicide. It's okay to feel that way. Nothing that we do in law enforcement or firefighting or military is normal. You don't go into a situation and see body parts everywhere or a bad car crash or a little child who died because of being beaten to death. That is not normal in an everyday American living or any country that has law enforcement and a relationship with their community that expects you to go into a situation like that and not have an injury, a mental injury, a PTSD or PTSI as we call it, it's not normal. So the academies don't teach us that there is a way to cope with that. They just say deal with it and if you can't deal with it then you're labeled or you're afraid to get help and then you turn to drugs, alcohol or or spousal abuse or family abuse as a way to cope with it. Yeah, and it's really something, you know, I went to the academy a little post-Brian, post of course. So it is something that I experienced. And, and 
going through the academy and and it, what as you were speaking, I started thinking of the book on killing by Dave Grossman, and they have to expose you to this stuff, and they have to share with you what is going to be seen and how you're going to handle it. It's the what you do when you go home fact that they they touch on, but it's not covered fully, and that is something that they have failed over the years at. It has gotten better. I know a lot of agencies who provide those resources and you're seeing a movement going more and more, but it's still so lacking. It's still such a negative aspect to it that it just doesn't happen. So it's something we need to get off of our egos and start seeking that help that we truly need all of us yeah and i was recently interviewed on the chase the vase podcast with my amazing friend mr brock bevel and this is something that he and i were discussing and after talking with him and then discussing it with the both of you tonight i think um the example that i used on his on his podcast was the complaints that i see from armed service members with regards to the reintegration process into civilian life There is no such thing as that when it comes to police work and even fire. And I'm to the point now where I think I'm going to start to develop programs around that in the hopes of being able to introduce it into academies. Because where you said that things have failed, I think that that's where it all should start. And that's where um, that's really where things need to change is initially, because if you know what you're getting yourself into, it's just like think about the situation where we, we all got the opportunity to take my dad out to lunch today. Where Clint and I live, people are fat and happy and they love to just go out and eat. That's all that there is to do around here. And in saying that, it is not uncommon for the wait time at a restaurant to be 90 minutes to two hours, let's say. So if you arrive to a restaurant and you just check in and they don't tell you how long the wait time is going to be, every 10, 15 minutes, at least if it was my dad, he'll be bitching at the hostess that enti- the entire time while he's waiting. But at the onset, if you're told, okay, hey, the the wait time right now is 90 minutes, that tension, that upset is not going to exist because you already prepared yourself. You know that that's what's to come. So I think it's the same precedence with regards to implementing something very comparable to this at the academy, because then it gives you the option of like, hey, do I want to stay and wait for this food or do I want to go somewhere else? And that's just something that doesn't exist right now and really should. And. I'm really, I love how this episode has gone and and you, the listener, as you're listening to this, it's, we are initially speaking on retirement and how someone can successfully make it to a retirement, but you can't get to retirement without starting from the very beginning. So it's kind of interesting to see the dialogue that kind of comes up with this and, and laying that foundation to see where this goes and to see different mindsets of our law enforcement careers or anything. Yeah, totally. And I can't believe that we are already in the center of October and we know how fast the rest of the year goes by. And I know I've already discussed the importance of making sure that we're implementing our Q4 goals and objectives. And I think that 
what we should all think about today, what I hope that you'll carry with you from this episode, is not only how we can help ourselves with regards to thinking long term, but also how we might be able to help the people in our circle, how we might be able to support each other, some questions that we might ask, some things that might provoke us into thinking a way that we don't typically think because nobody brings that kind of thing up to us. And if you've gotten any value out of this episode, please do us a favor, drop a review, subscribe down below. And to the two of you, I will see you on the next one. Thank you.